from 88.7 WXDU Durham, this is Shooting the Bull with Kevin Davis and Barry Reagan. Uh, the views and opinions you hear expressed on this show are those of the uh, host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of Duke University or WXDU. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Welcome to uh, Shooting the Bull for uh, Thursday, May 7th. May 7th it is indeed, Barry. How are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm doing fine. Hey, um, we, uh, we talked before. We are going to dispense with our usual, uh, our usual formalities and our usual intro. Um, we have uh, uh, in the studio tonight City Manager Tom Bonfield back for a return engagement. And we're, we're going to devote the entire half hour um, to, uh, to talking to Mr. Bonfield uh, about budget uh, and about uh, other issues that are going on in, uh, in Durham. So welcome back to the program, Tom. I got I, I to say, uh, before we, we leave the date uh, piece, I heard today that uh, today is odd day. It's 579. And it, really? And it only happens like three times every couple of decades that there's a sequence of... Uh, of, of odd numbers or even numbers. There's, there's been a couple of there's been a couple of those this year. I think um, earlier this year we had three three oh nine, which was square root day. Square root. And, and there's always Pi Day. And then there was something like uh, Star Wars Day earlier this week, which was May the fourth. You know, which is like a May. No, I'm not. No, I'm not even going to say it. It's not. It's not worth it. <laughs> Happy five seven nine odd day. Well, it's, it's it's great to have you back on on the program again. Some would say every day in Durham is an odd day, but you, you seem to en- <laughs> you seem to be enjoying yourself. So far, so good. Uh, so, so it's been ten months in Tom, and, and we had you here probably three, two and a half, three months into your tenure. What are the biggest things you've learned? What have been the things that have been maybe the most interesting? And what what have been any surprises that you've you've had at a high level about the city or city government? Well, um, every day is interesting. I, you know, I, I have to really. It, it's hard to say any one thing uh, surprised me the most. Uh, you know, I, and actually something that I learned very early on, which continues to amaze me, quite frankly, is the uh, the the overall diversity of Durham's economy. Uh, in light of uh, what, what even since the last time I was on the show, um, which I think was actually in September maybe, and uh, we know what the economy's done then, it, it still just amazes me uh, the, the, the overall very uh, um, very positive environment uh, that, that continues to be in this community. Uh, I think that's a great thing. Uh, that, you know, every, t- every day that I'm here, whether it's living here or working here, uh, I just, just see so many bright spots that, uh, that, that I think should continue to give people cause, cause for hope. Uh, in terms of surprises, I, I'm not sure that I've seen any more surprises now uh, than, than, uh, than when I first got here. Certainly the, the f- fiscal challenges uh, are greater than I would have ever anticipated, but uh, still optimistic that we can get through those as well. One of the things that surprised me, Tom, so far in, in, your, um, in your young tenure uh, has been uh, the relative lack of turnover um, in city government um, especially at the, the department head and the assistant department head level. A lot of times when a, a city manager comes in, a new person comes in at your level, um, and I'm not going to say uh, cleaning house, but there are... Or, or people choose to take you know, them people, you know, and, and, and the only the only person um, who's who's gone, I believe uh, Alan Delisle was offered a, an assistant city manager position, a newly created city manager position, which he declined and moved to, to Kentucky. And, uh, you know, we hope Alan is recovering um, because we heard that he uh, suffered some serious injuries over there. But uh, other than that, most of the departments have been stable. Did you anticipate that? Is that a, do you find that unusual in your experience? Well, uh, you know, my style is is one uh, of not uh, not prejudging anything. Quite frankly, uh, when I came to the position, 
Uh, we did have some substantial vacancies already in place, general services director, finance director, audit director, uh, water management director. So I kind of inherited some vacancies. So we spent a lot of time working on that. Uh, one, of, one of the philosophies that uh, I have, uh, have brought uh, with me to, to the staff was that, uh, you know, I feel like we have to have the proper structure then the proper processes, then the proper people, then the proper resources. And uh, so I don't necessarily uh, jump to the conclusion that, you know, that if there are problems, there's necessarily people problems until we've kind of methodically worked through structure and process. And, you know, as you know, early on, uh, or maybe not early on, a few months into the administration, we announced kind of the new organizational structure, how, that, how that's working. I think it's working really well, uh, uh, and, and uh, we're still working to uh, to backfill a few of the positions, and, and, and at the same time, we've begun working on a lot of process improvement stuff. And, uh, and you know, at the end of the day, once I'm comfortable that the structure is in place, which it is, and the processes are in place, then it does come down to performance, and, that, and that's the point that uh, you would make those kind of decisions. But, but, it, but it now, um, you know, I'm comfortable that, uh, that people are committed to the organization, uh, and, and every day there's more clarity about expectations. And, uh, and hopefully uh, people have already started seeing the results of, of some of those, uh, those changes, and, uh, and we're going to continue to try to get better. So you mentioned resources last on that list, but of course resources are going to be high on everyone's watch list in the next six weeks with the, the budget coming out. Uh, Ray Gronberg had a, a summary in the Herald Sun uh, today. We talked about this a bit before the show. Can you give our listeners sort of an, an overview of uh, this gap we talked about $10 million uh, short on revenue, $10 million over on, on uh, expenses for next year, so $20 million gap at least. And, and what's driving that, Tom? Sure. But let me go back to the, the resources piece because I think a lot of times people, you know, people, what happens is people think resources solve problems. And that's why I very, you know, very much believe in the, the structure, process, people, resources is last. Because if you just throw resources where you don't have the right structure, you don't have the right process, you don't have the right people, you're not going to get different results. So that's why we've concentrated on, on, on that up front. But, but back to the budget issue, uh, when, when we began the budget process in, uh, in beginning of the year, January, February, you know, we did anticipate that, that we had anywhere from, I think we reported, 26 to $40 million budget gap. Uh, that doesn't mean that we, uh, like, unlike the state, that, you know, we have this revenue shortfall. We knew there was going to be shortfall revenue, but we also knew that there was a lot of uh, either uh, anticipated expenditures or committed expenditures that we were going to have to make up the difference. So as we've, as we've worked through the budget process, uh, and we are, uh, we, we're really at a, we really have balanced the budget. We'll have some, some formal announcements uh, later, later uh, tomorrow or, or probably Monday now. Um, you know, we do see about a $10 million resource shortfall compared to last year, where re the revenues that we had last year to operate the city are about $10 million less. Same time, there are any number of uh, financial commitments that have, uh, are out there. They include uh, annualizing salary increase increases from the prior year. Uh, they include uh, knowing the Holton School is going to come online, and we've made financial commitments to that. Uh, the Walltown Recreation Center is going to come on later later this year. Uh, you know, there, there's those kinds of things that uh, that we've made commitments to, and uh, and so we've got to we've, we have to live up to those. The bottom line is that's about a 20 million dollars you said difference between the the resources and commitments we had on the plate last year to where we are now. So in essence, we've had to go back and uh, and prioritize every single department's uh, operations, the programs that every single department uh, provides. Look at how we can do it more efficiently. And look for for ways to uh, to cut costs, 
Uh, we've done that, in, and uh, in the majority of cases, we've done that without significantly impacting service delivery. Uh, to say there's going to be no impact on service delivery wouldn't be an accurate statement, but I do feel pretty comfortable that at the end of the day, uh, uh, we, we will deliver a very responsible budget under some of the most uh, challenging economic times that that this city government has ever faced. I mean, I think last year we added like a hundred and something positions mm. and, and, and have added several hundred positions over the last few years because we had the resources and it was a growing community. Times are different, and so th this will be a different model. So one of the things, Tom, that, that just sort of sparked in my mind was thinking back to uh, the Lion Park Center a few uh, months ago, uh, your administration had the Citizens uh, Budget Engagement Forum. And there were two questions that you challenged the audience to, to answer, if I recall correctly. One was, what programs in this budget, what areas of the city administration do you consider the most important? And the second, what areas are things that you see us doing today that you think we could be partnering with other outside organizations, nonprofits, you know, private sector, whatever? Is that something that's actually coming to play in this year's budget, or are you finding a new interest in looking at uh, more creative solutions to how the city provides services? Well, uh, I think that uh, certainly the priorities uh, were, led, led our thinking, and, and that was around public safety, around youth programs, around, around uh, some core service issues, and, and then around uh, s some of the uh, the facility uh, capital project delivery, those kinds of things. That that certainly drove the prioritization. You know, where we had direct services to citizens that were in those areas, you know, those are those are pretty much not going to have an impact. But but where we we maybe had internal services or administrative kinds of things that didn't have impacts to cities, we took we took a look at that. The, the notion of uh, what citizens could do for themselves or what things they could do without, quite frankly, we didn't get as much, uh, you know, uh, response on that as, as, as we would have liked. But, but it's, a, it's a new and it's a different way of thinking. And, and we're not going to give up on that yet. Uh, we did have, you know, so, some comments about partnerships and some, uh, some, some, some suggestions about that. But um, we, we have some, some work to do in that area. I think you and I need to talk a little bit after the program about uh, about partnerships. And, Barry, you and would have taken a whole such. table at the at, at the center. <laughs> we 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 could, we could have. Um, uh, you you mentioned you mentioned that uh, there will be some uh, some impact on uh, on on some delivery of services, and uh, you know I'm going to ask you to to be specific, and I'm sure you're going to tell me that you can't do that until um, until the report is released. Um, so. We'll, we'll go ahead and, and we won't we won't even bother playing that playing that part of the game. Very um, <laughs> interviews but, himself. But um, but, but uh, a more a more general a more general question, um, which came up on my blog when I asked people to submit submit some questions, um, is quality of life issues, especially uh, as enforced by Durham police, um, in particular speeding, neighborhood speeding, traffic issues, uh, and and other. Kevin and I were talking about other other quality of life issues um, before the show. Uh, Police Chief Lopez uh, made a presentation to City Council um, earlier this week, uh, talking about about um, violent crime being down 30 percent, overall crime being down seven or eight percent. I believe uh, uh, was the number. Um, are are there additional police resources available now to devote to um, to to certain quality of life issues that that keep coming up when you go to neighborhood listservs, you go to inner neighborhood council meetings, you go to partners against crime meetings. These things come up, uh, you know, over and over again. So, uh, are are the resources there? Can we can we look forward to seeing any of that? Well, I, I, at this point, I mean, we we certainly are all very very pleased with the uh, the initial uh, um, uh, police report that Chief Lopez gave and and the uh, the the 
first quarter uh, drop in crime. That, that's a great thing. Uh, I think it's a little early to uh, to assume that that's uh, that's uh, uh, something that's going to carry forward throughout the entire year. We hope that is, but in terms of resource allocation, probably uh, probably too soon. But back to the quality of life issues. I mean, the, the, while there, there's unlikely to be any new resources for the police department, and in fact, there won't be any new resources, additional resources for the police department, uh, a lot of times it is about how those resources are deployed. And one of the things that we are trying to uh, to do more of, spend more time with uh, the uh, the neighborhoods through what I call our neighborhood engagement process uh, processes, is, is try to better identify what are the particular problems in, in each neighborhood. Every neighborhood is different. Every neighborhood I mean, I, I can tell you that if we go to uh, Northeast Central Durham, the last concern they're going to have is whether or not people are speeding down a particular street. You know, that, that, maybe not the last concern, but that's not going to be at the highest priority, as they, as they are some other issues, and, and we, you know, we don't need to go down that path. But, but we still can learn from each neighborhood and try to identify, you know, what those priorities are. And then the police department does have resources to, to you know, in their, you know, vice and narcotics section or in, in, in various, uh, you know, more significant uh, 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 crime areas to devote resources, but they also have resources for traffic patrols and those kinds of things. It just is a matter of, of you know, understanding what they are and uh, and and doing what we can to, uh, to 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 bring those resources to bear. Does that mean that that every neighborhood is going to feel like they're getting a hundred percent of what they want out of the police department or any department? No, that that's not not realistic. But at the same time. You know, we can't shut ourselves off to, to try to understand what are important important uh, needs in each community. Tom, one of, one of the questions that's been on the minds, I think, a lot of city employees has been, uh, especially looking at what the state is now doing with furloughs or salary cuts, whether there'll be layoffs, whether there'll be uh, any cuts in salary or benefits for this year. Has the administration made any commitments yet to staff either way about that, or is that something that's forthcoming in the budget? Well, uh, it is forthcoming in the budget, and quite frankly, we have uh, made decisions about that, uh, and we will be releasing that information early next week uh, to employees first uh, to uh, to let them know, uh, you know, what is going to be proposed so they, they hear the details, uh, and then uh, to to the public, the media, uh, to, to let them know. It'll be initially in a in a more generic sense, and then of course a week from two weeks from. Now, whatever May 18th, when we submit the entire proposal for the budget, all all of those details. But you know, quite frankly, when you think about our organization and uh, you know over 200 million dollar general fund budget, of which some 70 percent is uh, is personal services, uh, you can't make up 20 and 30 million dollar gaps uh, without having some impact on employees. In some cases, that is going uh, to impact uh, you know employees who will continue to be with us. In some cases, it's going to impact jobs. Uh, but what we are doing is trying to uh, identify every opportunity we can to uh, to minimize layoffs. We understand the economy. We understand that uh, we've got a lot of great employees who have dedicated a lot of years to to to, the, to serving the community, and uh, and and we want to be judicious about how we we approach those things. You know, as as we've looked at the budget, it was it was about the work. You know, I always say it may sound a little crass sometimes it's not about the people it's about the work when you're making budget decisions and because you, you don't want to make decisions around the people mm -hmm. and so you know but we do recognize that that if if a decision is made that we don't need an employee or that where we had three employees that can you know doing work that can now be done by two and we can eliminate we, we have that obligation to taxpayers to be as efficient as we can unfortunately that may well mean that that somebody in a position uh, uh, you know 
has to find other alternatives. But what we're trying to do, and it's really kind of worked out well. You know, we've had a hiring freeze, a modified hiring freeze, and then a hard hiring freeze since probably last November. So we got a lot of positions that we know we need that, that, are, that are currently vacant, and we intentionally did that knowing that there was a high likelihood of, of layoffs or reduction in force, quite frankly, so that there were places to try to put people who we knew that their, their jobs might be eliminated. So we're working at that. Uh, we just want to be sensitive to, uh, to the individuals involved. We, you know, we don't want to uh, necessarily have people's personal lives play out publicly, and, and they don't want their lives to play out publicly mm -hmm. either for the most part. But by next week, we'll have more information, both about the impact on, on, on jobs uh, specifically, and then the impact on uh, on pay and benefits for uh, for other employees. Well, thank you, Tom. That's um, you know that's that's well, it's serious news, and I think we can all um, kind of read between the lines of uh, of what you just said. I just want to remind folks you're listening to Shooting the Bull on WXDU Durham. I'm Barry Reagan. I'm Kevin Davis, and our guest tonight is Tom Bonfield, City Manager uh, here in Durham. Uh, Tom, another question that's been on folks' minds has been uh, transit. Of course, we had Durham Station open this year, uh, been a, an improvement for our transit services. Uh, the mayor mentioned in his uh, State of the City speech uh, that he might consider and the administration might consider some planning monies to think about local transit options given uh, the, the, the healthier federal environment for transit funding. And, of course, this downtown um, circulator that has you know, got some scrutiny before the buses that we bought went into service, and now this discussion of a Duke to downtown or a Duke to NCCU connector. Of course, you're making transit and parking, according to press reports, uh, you know, a more senior position in the administration, something that will have more visibility than being part of a, of a large portfolio in transportation. What is the climate for transit within Durham, and uh, in the current economic realities, uh, where do these priorities and these projects sit? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, the whole transit piece uh, is, is poised f just, just at a great time for the community. Uh, we spent some time, you know, yesterday over in Raleigh, as a matter of fact, uh, walking the halls, talking to folks about the, the potential for the, uh, the, the, uh, the transit legislation to move forward that, that might give us the opportunity for some additional dedicated funding to transit. And overall, people felt pretty positive about it. Uh, it is true that, uh, that I felt it's such a critical issue that, you know, that we have raised the, the the elevation elevated the uh, the attention of that department to uh, uh, of that service to a, to a, a department. But we also have the reality of the resources. And and uh, you know, it, do we want to do more with transit? Yes. And and we're going to try to figure out a way to do that. Um, but, but we we have some challenges. We're going to continue to to have those discussions with Duke. Those are continuing. It makes perfect sense. I want to continue to have some discussions just in terms of the overall efficiency of the routes that we are operating, but also that just from from somewhat layman's eyes seem to just continually overlap when I when I see three different bus companies driving down the same street two minutes apart it says something about that just says that that doesn't seem to be very efficient so so we're you know we're we're going to do that and quite frankly uh, you know I think we we're, we need to to be sure that our own house is in order about how efficient we are operating the data system that we're operating I'm I'm not convinced that uh, it's where it needs to be um, and I will say that if it wasn't for the stimulus money. Uh, the uh, uh, that we're that we will receive this year and next year that are going to help off, off, uh, offset some of the uh, the uh, the deficits that uh, data is continuing to run. We would have probably had to make some pretty significant, very unpopular mm -hmm. decisions about transit. So I think what's happened is the uh, the the, uh, uh, the the stimulus money, the ARRA money, is is giving us a little more time, buying us a little more time 
to uh, to study the issue and see how first we can be more efficient, and then once we understand that, that we are as efficient as we can be, what opportunities there are to uh, to expand those services. But this region is so poised for transit right now. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, you know all of the uh, the surveys I've seen you know give indication kind of across the region, but you know Durham in particular is uh, is very you know fervent about. Uh, Making transit work better, it, it just makes it just makes so so much sense, mm -hmm. and uh, you know hopefully uh, if we can turn the corner and 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 find a way to come up with some dedicated funding for transit, whether that be light rail or whether that be a better you know you got to have a better bus system or light rail is not mm -hmm. going to work even if you have money uh, that that we can get there uh, sometime you know I'd say in the next three to five years probably realistically. Uh, another item on the on the agenda is a uh, question of downtown redevelopment, which has had still some things moving forward, some have slowed. Um, Greenfire has been slowly back in the news of late uh, with what they're billing as their last event downtown in the uh, CCB building before it becomes a hotel. And you know the talk is that the the uh, revision to the deal points that were uh, done under your predecessor are about to come back forward again. Uh, and may actually take on you know different different look than they had before. What's what do you see as the state of of downtown development and redevelopment in general, and in specific, what what is there that can be said at this point about where the city's relationship with Greenfire is? Well, I mean, certainly downtown redevelopment, I think, still continues on a very positive note. Uh, there is no want for lack of projects down there. There is a want for lack of financing down there. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, you can still, you know, talk to Bill Kalkoff or, or just wander around yourself and, and talk to property owners. There are a lot of folks who feel like they still have very viable projects and, and, and good ideas. Uh, you know, I just I heard today for sure that uh, uh, Burt's Bees uh, signed their lease last night. And, uh, you know, talk about uh, another shot in the arm and a positive uh, message for, uh, for what's going on downtown. So, I mean, there's no reason to be anything but, you know, bullish on downtown Durham uh, because there is uh, there are a lot of good opportunities, a lot, a lot of folks who just continue to find more and more interest in downtown. The Green Fire Project actually is, is, is kind of back on a track, maybe a little bit modified track. We'll have more that we'll be bringing to the council uh, in the next, I think the first meeting in June is, the, is, is when it's slated now to uh, make, make a proposal. Uh, it is focused very much on that hill building and getting that uh, that hotel uh, going. Uh, um, Carl and Michael and the Greenfire folks have been working very, very hard to, uh, to to continue momentum, and that's what's so important. I think whether it's the Greenfire deal or any part of downtown, uh, there you know is is to constantly have something happening. And and, and quite frankly, after the DPAC opened and the uh, the transit uh, center opened. Seem like we got a little bit of a lull in downtown, and everybody's saying, "Well, what's next? What's next?" And you know, we got the DAP, but but we we do need to have we see you know see another project come. Um, heard I heard uh, last week, uh, you know, uh, my old stomping grounds, West Village, is 100% occupied with a waiting list, which you know I think if you'd have told people that two or three years ago, <laughs> they'd have said you're crazy. But I mean right. that that's that's all you know. There's all those indicators in this economy. And we're still where we are. It's, it's just pretty amazing, quite frankly, to me. And, and just wait till Bob Dylan tickets go on sale. Um, I, I want to. I wanted to switch gears uh, and and ask you something, um, Tom. One of the hottest topics on uh, on local listservs uh, and and in the blogs over the last uh, oh two months or so has been the uh, proposal to revise the 
current billboard ordinance uh, in which billboards are considered to be non-conforming uses and nobody can build new, new billboards. There's a proposal to amend that to get rid of some of the existing billboards, replace some of them with, um, with the new digital uh, video billboards. Um, do, you have a, do you have a position on whether that's a good idea or not? Really, at this point, no. Uh, as, I've, as I've told folks who've asked me that, you know, I, I don't uh, uh, need to go looking for issues where issues don't exist. And, <laughs> and at this point, there really isn't a proposal. There was an idea that was floated around. Uh, the the Joint City County Planning Commission hasn't put it on anybody's table, and and you know it's being debated in the community, which I think is healthy. Uh, to me, it is about community standards. It's not about what Tom Bonfield thinks is the best thing or or whatever. Uh, there are there are some some technical components to that that the staff is certainly prepared to analyze and respond to. Uh, but I think we need to have a, a healthier debate and discussion about the, the community standards of is this something that uh, that the, the broad cross-section of, of folks, uh, you know, see benefit in or find objection to. And, and you know, we, we have more clarity about that before we just move on and say that there's a right or wrong answer because there isn't a right or wrong answer on that issue. It is, it is much more of a community standards issue than an administrative or technical matter. Tom, one of the, the items that comes up every year on neighborhood agendas and, and so forth uh, are relationships between landlords and property managers and neighborhoods, whether that's been uh, student tenants uh, conflicting with neighbors in areas around uh, Duke and, and so forth, or whether that's been uh, concerns about uh, dilapidated properties that often vacant uh, property owners or uh, absent property owners are holding on to and they let become dilapidated and sometimes they get demolished which is controversial uh, there's not good outlets for taking them and renovating them or these discussions of landlord registries this always seems to be a recurring topic and in, in different ways what's your per perspective on this in Durham you know having come here from from uh, all your years in Florida uh, how, how are we the same as other communities? How are we different? And what are the tools that you think a city like Durham should be looking at to, to better uh, address these problems? That's a good question, and it, and it is a real challenging one. And I, I don't know all of the history of its discussion in Durham. I do know that over the years that I've managed, some communities I've managed had very, very strict uh, rental registration programs, rental inspection programs, other communities didn't. I mean, I think one of the challenges in Durham for the community is our incredibly high, uh, or actually our incredibly low home ownership, uh, home ownership rate, which, which in turn means we have a very high rental rate. And, uh, and, you know, we understand we've all different times in our lives rented places and, uh, and, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But uh, in neighborhoods, there does tend to, uh, to be conditions when you have a, a disproportionate number of renters versus owners in a neighborhood. Uh, those neighborhoods take on characteristics that are that are not pleasant, and they're not pleasant to the folks who live there, and they're not you know not pleasant to the people who own property there. So, I do think it's an issue that the city needs to needs to take a look at. Uh, we uh, I've, I've assigned the staff to evaluate the proposal that's just gone forth in Raleigh, to uh, to understand that. I'm not sure their circumstances are exactly the same as ours. I mean, we certainly have taken a very proactive role in terms of just a general code in enforcement through the NIS department over the last uh, uh, maybe six or nine months, but that still is, is far short of something as, as uh, comprehensive as a, a rental registration program. Uh, it's interesting because uh, as I read the articles uh, about the Raleigh's interest, it was much more about knowing who the property manager was then it seemed to me to to want to get in and identify where there were real problems in it was more reactive and and I may have misread that but I would like to see our program if we if we initiated one to be more proactive identify the problems 
before before they become problems. Let's not worry about having to just figure out where the property manager is. Let let's figure out what the problem is first. And and of course ultimately, you know, my my real goal would be to not have to worry about that because we had such a high ownership home ownership rate in the community that uh, the imp the negative impact on rental properties was was minimal even even when they weren't in great condition. One one of the things that surprised me on that, Tom, when uh, when I went to uh, the census data, um, you know, Durham City and County have some discrepancy between uh, the home ownership rate in the city and in the county, and the data only goes to 2000. Wake County and the city of Raleigh had a much larger discrepancy than uh, than Durham. And when you looked at um, Raleigh and Durham, I think Raleigh's home ownership rate uh, in 2000 was 51 or 53 percent, something like that, and Durham's was 48 or 49 percent. So it wasn't that big that big a difference. I was actually surprised because the home ownership rate for the state of North Carolina is in the 64, 65 um, percent range. Um, so so I, I, I don't know that that Durham is so unique um, compared to, uh, to to Raleigh in, in implementing that. The question that I want to ask, based on, on what you just uh, what you just said, um, your experience in cities that had uh, rental registration programs and rental inspection programs. Tell tell me about that. What kind of programs um, did they have? Did you administer them? Do you um, you know have have experience? Did it work? Did it make a difference in in the the way the community? interacted with rental property well uh, every everything is relative uh, in in one of the communities I worked in a uh, much smaller community you know it, it did work uh, it was an area that uh, you know, was was near University of South Florida so there's a lot of concern about student housing those kinds of things and and so uh, there was a requirement that uh, uh, you know there'd be a registration program because we wanted to know you know how many people were living in a unit and and uh, and you know what the conditions were so it can work uh, every community is is different uh, I think Durham has some challenges but but I do think some facet of, uh, of, of a better understanding and having a better uh, track on uh, on rental properties is, is in the long run going to be better for the community Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show We're tonight. Out of town again? We we oh. seem to run out of time very quickly here. I, I think we could keep you on for two hours, but I think we'd have more fun with that than you would. Well, I think I think what we'll have to do, Tom, is after the budget cycle is done, uh, maybe sometime in the summer, get you back on again and uh, and and follow up on some of these questions, um, folks. You've been listening to Shooting the Bull on WXDU. Our guest tonight has been City Manager Tom Bonfield. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at dependableerection.blogspot.com. I'm Kevin Davis. I write at bullcityrising.com. We'll see you here next week. Left.